we're back in the shed again. We have our special guests, Ron and Haley of Montreal, did manage to stay over for another episode. That's good. They are here. I think they had to cancel a couple of pretty swanky dinners with important people downtown to do it. Glad you guys are here. Hope you're going to have some fun with us in the next little while. And I hope everybody else does too. So let's just get started. Want to hear some listener mail? Yeah, let's hear listener mail. That'd be great. In Las Vegas this year, I graduated to wearing old man readers with a little cord. Oh, you've got the cord. Everywhere I went, I had them with me. During the foosball tournament, when I was out on the street, when I was, you know, the nightlife. Are you going to go with the gold chain? At some point, probably. Any reflection for us on how you feel about the world? Have you noticed things like you're attracted to flesh-colored sneakers now? (laughs) (laughs) Is that an old people thing? Oh, is it ever, yeah. Really? Yeah, the Velcro clothes, flesh-colored sneakers, they're really nicely padded. Well, these are kind of like what Grandpa wear, I think. Not They're not the ones I'm talking about. I'm talking about the ones that are flesh-colored. Nancy from New Westminster writes about episode 134, Magnum Opus. Hey, dogs, I love cooking turkey. It's funny. We titled the episode Magnum Opus because the longest segment we've ever recorded was about the old Magnum PI series. Three of the four email we've received about that episode don't even mention Magnum. They just talk about turkey because turkey was another segment in the same thing. But sidebar on Magnum, every Sunday I get a tweet now that says nuns don't work on Sundays. And it shows the same Magnum sequence. Magnum's running along beside a church with his gun and he sees a nun up working on a ladder and he runs around and he goes, wait a minute, nuns don't work on Sundays. And he turns around and has a gunfight with the nun. (laughs) That's good. That is good, actually. (laughs) All right. Hey, dogs, I love cooking turkey and I do it the old-fashioned method, i.e. the way my mom did it. She was a gourmet cook. I thaw the turkey first or use a fresh one. I also stuffed the bird with my bread stuffing. I put a layer of butter and rosemary under the skin on the turkey. It goes on a rack in the roaster and more butter goes on top. The trick for me is to cook it for an hour at 450 degrees, then turn the oven down to 350, cover it, and finish it. I take the lid off during the last 20 minutes of cooking to finish browning. And I baste the turkey often. I love all the stuff on the bottom of the pan for making my roux and gravy. It does take longer, but I love the smell of turkey, so don't mind how long it takes. Regarding the Magnum original, I really liked the show. Always lots of action, and the locale was beautiful. Reminders of the way Hawaii used to be before it became just another steel and concrete jungle. I found the new version boring, so I didn't continue watching it. Of Hawaii? Uh, the new version of Magnum <laughs> of Magnum PI. But she's saying the new version oh, is just fire. a steel and concrete jungle. And, you know, for me, having gone to Hawaii, I don't know, four or five years ago, it was spectacular. And Magnum really reminded me of what I saw of Hawaii. So, Milk cartons. I don't have a problem with recycling milk cartons. What I have a problem with is the addition of a plastic pour spout on the Dairyland milk and cream cartons. We do the hard-hitting topics here, Ron, just so you know. (laughs) Well, this is going to come up on the floor of the House of Commons next week. You just listen. She goes, what the hell? I thought we were supposed to be eliminating plastic. Yeah, I, I hadn't noticed, but putting those little plastic things in the milk cartons makes no sense, right? I never even thought of it until I saw her letter either. I, yeah. I When they started having the little screw cap on there, I didn't think anything of it. But Is that on milk? Well, I don't know. I only yeah. have soy milk. I've never now, seen that. You guys don't have bag milk over We there. used to. We used to. Oh, okay. We tried it. Yeah. We still have it. Yeah, we in the 70s, we would have those pitchers at home and yeah. put a bag in. We still yeah. have yeah. it. Yeah, she but, says it's milk and cream cartons. I've never seen those uh, screw tops on milk, and I buy milk all the time. Oh, okay. Time. Yeah, I've seen it on um, almond milk. She says, by the way, only milk and plant-based beverage cartons, including plastic jugs and containers, are recyclable for a refund. The cream, whipping cream, buttermilk, or other like items are not subject to a cash refund. So, good to know. So, if you take a milk jug to a return at Depot, do you get a deposit for it? As long as it's not all crunched up. It has to be full. Yeah, we've done it. Really? Yeah. Because yeah. I used to work at a recycling depot and they oh. didn't do that. Oh, it's very new here. It's only uh, two months old. Two it's, months old, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's, that's, it's, that's for why mo- I'm it's for money now, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, they never used to take them because they 
it was the dairy like if there was anything including i think um soy at the time when i worked at the recycling depot Mm. they wouldn't give you you could return it and they recycle it but they won't give you a deposit for it when we return it it has to be not crunched and that way they can it'll be like we're supposed to rinse them but people never rinse them perfectly i think so so because they're open they can clean them properly yeah yeah so Uncle Mike from Rosslyn writes us about the uh, episode that we published where we said that there are certain kinds of power saws, KJ brought this up, that detect flesh. So you, you're running the wood through the moment that that saw blade also hits some flesh. In addition to the wood, it knows, which I find remarkable. Mike provided some insights here. Nice graphic on the website, too. Yeah, thank you. A little <laughs> hot dog going through there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're, of course. <laughs> yeah, Uncle Mike uh, provides some very interesting information here. Regarding the saw stop, amazing tech, suitable for your grade 10 shop class. He's actually referring to my grade 9 shop class <laughs> where I cut my own finger yes. off. Yeah, you told yeah. me. Uh, Mike says, very expensive. I work with a $2,000 cabinet maker's saw. The same one with saw stop is about $4,000. So just to add that technology is an extra $2,000. He says, I still have all my fingers because I pay attention to my position and the fence. <laughs> he, he's kind of commenting. Right? Yes, he yeah. is. He's saying. He's just saying. That's all he's doing, right? Yeah, I, I felt... With all due respect and affection to Uncle Mike of Rossland, that there was a pretty heavy mansplainy component to that letter. <laughs> and a little judgment. Yeah, oh yeah. I think, yes. A pro using the saw stop would be using it for apprentices. You know, well, like, and, and like, in a, a liability situation, if you have a whole bunch of different people, yeah. like because it was at the shop for the studio where the kids are actually, oh. and they're not kids that are interested in doing that. Right. But they got to get that skill. Oh, right. It's a good place to spend that extra $2,000. I say, yeah, he says when the saw stop senses the cutting of meat, I would call it flesh, but he calls it meat. It triggers a sacrificial aluminum block into the blade, stopping it instantly. Explain that. What's a sacrificial aluminum stop? Well, there's there's some kind of aluminum block that goes straight into the blade, the sharp blade. So the blade will instantly stop. The block is sacrificial because it ruins the block. Like because the blade's spinning so fast, the block is just going to get destroyed. It's like a brake pad. The blade, of course, is destroyed, but no loss of fingers. Worth it? For sure. Or teach them where to stand, how to push wood into an amazingly (laughs) sharp spinning blade, and how to react to a wood jam on a massively powered table saw. So wait a second. (laughs) Once once it detects the meat, the blade is done? Yeah, the blade gets destroyed. Holy. It just only gets destroyed destroyed insofar as that aluminum block causes it to jam and probably snaps a couple of the teeth off down where the aluminum block is. Like it doesn't, the blade, the blade doesn't oh. suddenly explode into a thousand shards. It commits it just, suicide. Okay. Yeah, so it just okay. gets broken. It just stops it. But Ron and I, we've talked about this this morning and yeah. uh, I didn't really mention Mike's letter, but I was saying I still haven't figured out how it knows that it's cutting into meat. Hit us, Ron. It's the same thing, What the same technology that your phone uses to detect uh, your fingerprint on the, on the screen. Right. So we admit electricity and basically if there's any type of interruption in the uh, circuit it'll trigger the uh, firing mechanism underneath the saw blade to push this sort of disc aluminum brake into the, right, the right, saw right. and just jam it in place so ah so it's electrical yeah that's interesting and there's so some kind of signal is going through the blade itself yes and then it transmits instantly yeah that yeah, if you so disrupt cool. it with your own electrical emission oh, off wow. your flesh, yeah. that's it. It just stops that it. That totally makes Isn't sense. Isn't that fun? So like, it's as quick as touching a phone, yeah. which is instantaneous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Isn't that fun? I thought that was the coolest thing. I don't know. I was glad you knew that because that was what was lacking in Mike's letter. It's plenty of judgment, helpful <laughs> instruction, but not much information. He's not done judging yet. Oh, sorry. Oh, actually. <laughs> and he provided some good info, I thought, on the uh, how well, it works. The like block the, thing the block, is interesting. The aluminum yeah. block, it's yeah, yeah. totally destroyed. And yep. so it, 
I think $300, which is not bad really to, uh, yeah, 300 bucks to, to avoid cutting somebody's fingers off. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's just the replacement cost cost yeah. of the block, For the block and, and the any blade. blade yeah. yeah. So he, he closes with, I have also learned to pay attention to the fence that the wood is guided along and make sure the wood is against it way more important than the blade advance. Cause and he closes, back. you know, after, you know, it's between the lines sort of. So, but he's really judging me for what happened to me oh, yeah. in grade nine. Yeah. So he closes with love you guys. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was only 50. It was just tough love. It was only was 50 was. some odd years ago, but there's no reason for you to ever live that down. So <laughs> just go that ahead. That's good. <laughs> Stick him with it. That's great. Anyways, thanks, Mike. In, f- in spite of we, my... Uh, I think we worked him over yeah. way more than we <laughs> Yeah, in spite of how badly we treated you there. Thank you. Not you know what? Me. They should get those saws. They should get them, but not tell the students. Because students, Ooh. I feel like, should... Ooh. I feel like they should know the severity of what they're working with and know the consequences of making mistakes, but then also be safe because they're kids, well, you know? I'm, I'm going to bet that you don't come away scot-free. You get a pretty damn nasty cut. As you should, Yeah, is my point. And I I, I just think... <laughs> Wait, are you talking about this? You, you, you get a little tiny nick. It's really impressive. Really? Yeah. Have you seen that? Yeah. There's the... Uh, some person demonstrated it. I don't know, probably one of the owners, put his own finger on it. Oh, and, no. Yeah. Oh no! Oh yeah. no! No! Because no. not only does it does it stop, the blade actually collapses underneath the saw blade. So even if you keep pushing, oh, it's moved out of the way. It's moved out of the way. Holy! And it's shit. sort of like an airbag where did you, the did you see a video or something? Yeah, of course. They're oh, all over. could you send us the link? There's a there's a bunch. There's a, oh, there's just send us any old one. That's yeah. excellent. <laughs> it's it's very creepy cool. as anything to think somebody would voluntarily stick their hand in there though. Oof. New comment from Sandra of New Westminster on uh, episode 136, Shed Dogs 321. Um, one of the things that was during the Oscars episode there, I talked about Nightmare Alley and how visually beautiful it looked, the old carnivals. So she says, Nightmare Alley is totally worth the watch. I thought it was an interesting story and totally different from the other movies that are out there. It's very focused on the underbelly of the carnival life with a few parallel storylines that all tie back to the main character. It's not a feel-good show, and in fact, I had a bit of a stomach ache when it finished. I guess that is the definition of gut-wrenching. If you're looking for Disney, this is not the movie for you. It's not for everyone. Yeah, and thank you, Sandra, for that, too. That's another good one. Does it, it, has anybody seen it? No, I haven't seen it. It's on Disney Plus, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, so yeah. we got to stacking up the Disney Plus stuff and going to pay for one month's rental again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Huey from Janelle. Janelle. Shout out to Janelle. On the topic of Duolingo, because so many of us are using that or similar apps. He goes, hi guys, my daughter went on Rotary Exchange in Germany in 2015. So Lori and I went for a visit in spring break of 2016. I had been using Duolingo since the previous spring and found it very useful in finding basic German words. I'm still doing it after seven years and pride myself in not having spent a penny while using it. It really can be done for free if you have the patience. I know that I would pick up the language almost immediately if I was immersed into it. My daughter learned it in three months. She started young learning languages as we put her in Russian bilingual in preschool. Then she switched to French immersion in grade six. So, wow, you can learn Russian. I had no idea. Like where in the Kootenays do you do Castlegar? Yeah, I mean I would have seen oh, of course. Yeah. Ukrainian in Castlegar. Dukabors. Yeah. The Dukabors speak Russian? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know it. Not know that. Da. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. In four months, my daughter should have an engineering degree. Cheers and good luck to Rich in Europe. Atta boy. Congrats to his daughter too. Well, to him and his daughter. Thank um, you. And I like that he remembers you're going to Europe for the yeah. real Thank you, Huey. International. Well, the bad news is I'm no longer playing foosball in Europe. Oh. Oh. We just didn't have enough for people dropped out for various reasons. Four? Fear of COVID was was a big one. Well, I can't help but notice that I didn't get an email from you asking if I was interested. Interested in what? Going here? Playing. That's right. Yeah. What? Did you get one, Mo? No, damn. 
I've been looking for it too. What uh, kind of outfit are you guys running? There's some sort of elitist thing. You got to be part of the old boys club before you can represent our nation. Is that the thing? <laughs> so I still could have played in the world championships where you play for yourself in singles and with a partner in doubles, but it just didn't feel right. Like I didn't want to be an organizer and nobody else seemed to be stepping up to say, okay, look, here's what we can do. And yeah, to salvage let's, just... let's still go play. And you guys, yeah. So what he especially didn't want to do is ask us. But the funny thing is that we're still going to Europe. Yeah. <laughs> Cause we planned a vacation around this whole thing. <laughs> Are you going to go see the tournament? No. no. Oh. <laughs> and cry some tears. You know, it's too bad because Canadians are playing there. There's a men's team. It's the senior men's team. That's not going. Mm-hmm. So, and I think actually they are sending a women's team, which was in doubt for a while. So I should go and be a supporter, but. Well, maybe you should the, go hang around in case any of the senior men's, you know, get, or the men's team or whoever it is. The thing is that going. Sue and Griffin are starting in Amsterdam. And uh, yeah. everything I've heard about Amsterdam is actually, I'd rather be in Amsterdam yeah. than not. I think, I think so, that's probably a good yeah. call. So we're doing five nights in Amsterdam, a couple nights in Bruges, a night at the Hergé Museum City, five nights in the Strasbourg region, Alsace, maybe dip into Germany there and a few this and that, and then down to Provence. going to be the lavender fields are in Provence this time of year. Can't wait. When are you going? In Marseille. We might uh, uh, do a little gambling in Monaco. We're going to July 2nd. Sue and I return maybe July 31st. Wow. And I remember you told us that you were getting a URL pass. That's why you can just we got the zoom pass. all over the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a combination of URL and then local car rental. <sighs> yeah, and then back to Paris. And then Sue and I will continue on it in Normandy a bit. Nice. Well, take right. lots of pictures. Of course. <laughs> yes. People will avoid coming over to the house, right? <laughs> That's right. Because it's, hey... Can I show you our pictures? <laughs> they'll, they'll cross the street when they see you coming and everything. Oh, God, there's riches. You have a phone with me, does Jesus. <laughs> anyway, thank you for that, Huey. Lee from Courtney says, on the same episode, says, Hi, dogs. I think it's a good thing when your episode makes our head swivel around, or at least swivel 90 degrees, with a sudden change in topic. I think we had a two-minute run where we changed the topic five times. Yeah, we did, and we remarked on it. She says, keeps us on our toes. Plus, it makes for a fast-paced piece of the show. A couple of things. Oh, who am I kidding? I'll have at least two things to say. First, I'm glad that you didn't give one second of airtime when you were discussing the Oscar show. And now I'm even a little sorry that I did it by typing his name. So maybe just don't say his name if you read this letter. Just make it a blank. (laughs) Secondly, I am so jealous that KJ gets to go back to New York. I believe we have an update on that. Yeah, a few more tears to be shed in the shed. Yeah. And we did cover yeah. it. Yeah. Did, did we talk about it? We yeah. talked about it after the episode she's referring to. Yeah. That uh, you don't get to go to. No, they're going to Zoom it. Yeah. yeah. Zoom we the did. meeting. We did. Damn. No, I had uh, last week I had an audition for Punch Imlac in the Borea Salming story. Nice. CBC. Oh, that'd be awesome. Is he a coach or a goalie or something? I can't Punch remember. Imlac's a really famous coach. Coach, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, but then I get this audition for Peter Jackson and the Olympians, an audition for a cameo as a satyr, but the satyr gods speak goat. No subtitles. They don't say anything except... (laughs) (laughs) So please tell us they've already heard your goat. I didn't know you were bilingual, maybe. (laughs) Peter, no, it's called Peter Jackson and the Olympians. I, I know, I thought Peter Jackson as the director, right? Right, but, but it's some other Peter Jackson. called Peter Jackson and the Olympians. I was really quite excited about this audition, and I thought, come on, the the the, the one guy, because I read for two of the go- goat satyrs, the one guy <laughs> is a complex... With different personalities. That's right, that's right. <laughs> I had to work on my dialect a little, right. but not a lot. Yeah. Uh, but uh, a complex Shakespearean king, and I thought, come on, this is Lear, you know, you spread this out, and I put on a, my that, that goat, pseudo-goat lambskin okay. over my, you know, like a toga kind of a thing. Oh my God, I was so excited. <laughs> that's fun. I heard nothing. Oh. <laughs> but I think, I think the key in all that is cameo, and they're going to actually try to get some... I think there's a lot of money being spent on this thing. 
it's a series, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they're going to have, you know, Bill Murray if he works again. Oh, okay. Again. So you're saying they're going to, the cameo is going to feature. A big Everybody's going to be all Yes, charmed. but how, you know, how many of those guys, you know, uh, no goat? Well, I don't know. Very few as far as I know. Yeah, and, yep. and are, are willing to actually do that in public. <laughs> yeah, I for think any Bill side. Murray's in trouble for something right now anyway, so. Yeah. Well, he said it was a. He it said was a joke. An old joke. It's yeah. always a joke with yeah, him. Yeah. Isn't it was it? my hand on her. You know, that, was, yeah, that joke yeah, doesn't work anymore. Someone took it the wrong way every time with Bill Murray. <laughs> anyway, so next time you see me, I could be beardless. Shorn. Lee continues. <laughs> oh, her. Yeah, Thirdly, yeah. RJ, when you're in Amsterdam, if you have a half day or so and want to make a short trip to a smaller place outside Amsterdam called Harlem, Spelled H double A R L E M. She says, Yes, the one in New York City is named for it, but with one less A. It's stunning, a total fairy tale village. I once went to a concert in the big church in the square, and the enormous pipe organ that the fellow played had been played by freaking Mozart. Anyway, if you have the time, well, we definitely are going to make the time. We've included that in our little plans now because we're five nights in Amsterdam. And it's only a half-hour train trip to Harlem. So, And finally, she says, I did not know that there was such a thing as a horizontal Murphy bed, but of course it makes perfect sense. Once again, the old shed dogs teach me a new trick. Oh, man, she's good, isn't she? And that, ladies and gentlemen, is listener mail. But what kind of work do you do? I operate a staffing agency in Montreal. So we do sort of high-end events. Galas, weddings, uh, bar mitzvahs, and uh, we supply the staff for those events. Okay. And when you say we, do you have a partner? Yeah, a business partner. Shout out to George. Shout out to George. I've known him for quite a long time. So by events, this could be any number of kind of conferences or weddings or no, that kind of thing? Weddings, corporate events, big companies, Ubisoft, Aldo, stuff like that. Oh, yeah. So we we mainly just do the, the staffing, and we work with a lot of um, high-end caterers and much. We've been doing that for almost eight, nine years. So nice. COVID took a, a huge hit in our industry. We're slowly getting back, but uh, we don't have enough staff for uh, the service industry, essentially. Right, yeah, and that's another thing that Sue and I were talking about. She asked a question that I have no idea what the answer is. Where did all the people go? If you can't find staff, and aren't the all these benefits run run out now? They have, yeah. They're all gone now. So is it just that a lot of people discovered they like this idea of not working and they can somehow scrape by, so they're out of the job market now? In my experience, yes. A lot of our staff are either working professional jobs and they sort of do this gig as a side, side hustle, and most of them are students. But a lot of them have chosen to step away from the industry because of COVID. And they got used to it, and then they realized, yep. maybe they realized they didn't need the income or something. Maybe. Yeah. But kudos to them. I, I always say, like, when we hire people, the goal is for them to use sort of our services as a stepping stone to whatever they're working as. So if they're going to school, it, it'd be great for them to stop working for us because they, they've graduated. And a lot of our staff have, have gone on to, you know, corporate jobs afterwards. So, so if I understand great. what you said a little earlier... You may have fewer competitors now, but you have problems getting enough staff to maybe take advantage of that. Yeah, exactly. And so business is not near as good as it was before COVID. No, and people sort of are reluctant to start events. Right, um, right. Full full scale now. Uh, People are skittish still. Yeah. And I totally understand that. I guess because I got the Omicron, I'm no longer skittish. Yeah. (laughs) So Haley, are you out of the real estate business? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> are you pleased to be out of the real estate business? I mean, I know when I was talking to you about it, I was quite impressed with your knowledge and ability. Oh, really? And, yeah. Oh. oh, yeah. Totally. But I wasn't sure if you enjoyed it or not, but it was high pressure situation, I think. Um, from, from my experience working in real estate the way I did here doesn't really serve me outside of this market. Because for, for our listeners, you were working for a condo company, correct? I worked for developers, yeah. Developers. They build condos, and you would help with coming up with what rates should be charged or what, like what oh my gosh. What the selling... Oh, okay. So it's a lot more than it's just one It's a lot, yeah. Thing, like yeah. I worked for developers um, that do primarily 
high rise, concrete high rises and some boutique wood frame projects around the lower mainland. But I was just, a, I was a sales coordinator. So you work on a sales team when you work for a developer in the sales department, um, and which means that you help with the sale of the project until it's done or until it's sold out and then you move to the next one. Yeah. So as a team, we did a lot of stuff like from marketing to events to pricing to everything. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I would like to continue to do that just because I'm familiar, but doing something that is client-facing in Montreal without being fluent in French is not going to happen, as well as you have to kind of educate yourself from the ground up about the markets because right. like just understanding the, the different like niche markets in lower mainland here is a lot of work and takes probably most people like years to really understand never mind having to do that all over in a different province well you're really good at it thanks you estimate the prices of homes all the time so yeah i mean yes and no such a different market though but we're kind of in the real estate we've been renovating (laughs) so are you just renovating your own place or are you saying you really are like renovating and buy buy renovate sell well we did we did one project buy renovate sell last year and then we uh, bought and we are renovating right now in the purpose of selling all right but for tax reasons you have to live in it for you have to prove that it's your primary residence or else you pay capital gains because yeah. it's a secondary property. In, in our neighborhood, we've had any number of people come in, build, live for six months, and then move. Ooh. Yeah, because our neighborhood is one of those ones that always has a new house being built. Us too. Yeah. We two. bought, well, Ron bought a condo last year, yeah. renovated it with his dad, sold it, did well on that, bit of a rise, and then this, we never occupied it, just completely just they renovated so it's just capital gain kind of thing two months yeah and then they bought ron bought a house um last year and then him and his dad have been renovating it since then they finished the upper floor we moved in like a month ago not even and they're going to finish the lower floor the lawn the landscaping and everything and then sell it we'll move again now, is this mostly hands-on, or are you just bringing trades in to do the work? So the only thing I got a contractor to do was the roof, and I'm going to bring a contractor to do the landscaping because right. the I have to re-level the whole area. But everything else from kitchen, bathroom, even putting in a vent that didn't exist anymore in both bathrooms, yeah. all, all us. Yeah, and oh, I'm just learning on the way. <laughs> it's too bad you're not down here longer. A fellow renovator. Yeah, but uh, yeah, we figure it out. YouTube is uh, very resourceful. (laughs) Yeah, it is different, isn't it? Like even I can do some stuff now. It's really impressive. Yeah. What? (laughs) (laughs) Well, because you guys are here, whatever I was, and Susan's uh, empty because she's communing that I was going to move up to her living room. Well, I thought, well, that's not the shed dogs, is it? What's communing? Doing the camino in Spain, the pilgrimage. 500 miles. She's doing a Spanish pilgrimage. It used to be, in the Middle Ages, it was actually a pilgrimage, right? I've heard of pilgrimages, but not that one. It's just a hike, but she mentioned that she wanted to do it when she was 50 years old, and that was 16 years ago, and she's doing it by herself. Good for her. Yeah, but she said, like two weeks before she went, she said, there was 250 people at the beginning of the Camino this morning. She said, like, everybody's coming out of COVID and mm. heading there. And But three days ago, she said, I saw no one today. Wow. I saw that post where she wow. spent the whole day and she saw, like, six people in the yeah. entire day yeah. on the Good trip. Good for her. In Spain. In Spain. Wow. Right? Yeah. In Spain? Yeah. You start in France, actually. In France, yeah. And go over the Pyrenees and the rest of it is along the Pyrenees. Wow. I don't know. if Where do you end up? And then does it end up in Portugal? Oh yes, she's flying out of Portugal. Oh, I thought they were going. To, she was going the other way to the Mediterranean, but no, no, she's coming down. Right, because there, I think the Camino does have maybe a couple options. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a whole bunch of pilgrimages. So out she there. ends in Lisbon or something, and then it's over. 
Yeah, somewhere in northern Portugal, I think. Yeah, probably just a little village someplace, I think. Yeah. I haven't looked. I and then Sebastian. presumably there's something at the end for people who are uh, religious, because it has its basis in some kind of Catholic thing, doesn't oh. it? Yeah, you would think, yeah. That's well, it's what a pilgrimage. Pilgrimages are due, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I don't know what, I don't know those details. I know it's supposed to be just terrific. That's so cool. It is pretty yeah. wild. Cooler than I'll ever be in her 60s, as usual. No, I don't have to. You don't have to assume that. You do never know, man. I think Glenn and Mary did it about four or five years ago or something like that. Did they? And they had a really nice trip. Yeah. yeah. But like Susan says, they did it sort of luxury because what they did was if they decided that they liked a little town, they would just stop. But Susan is kind of t- booking, you book your hotels or your hostels. She's staying a lot in hostels, which is wow. at, at that age is kind of <laughs> eesh. However, um, so you, you don't get the, so she's sort of made time. She knows when, what villages she wants to stop, you yeah. know, looking from the outside and you know, whatever you can just say, well, I lose that reservation or I, what, you know, I don't know what you do. You take a cab. You can just take a cab oh. to you where you're supposed to go. I imagine you can do that, right? Like <laughs> in, in a pinch. Well, and she posted that she needed to pick up the pace. So she, she sent her pack on. That's funny. She just had her pack shipped ahead. Yeah. So she could walk the whole day without the pack because she could walk further on that yeah. day. Yeah, That's yeah, a yeah. great option. Yeah. Great Which option. is kind of fun. And you just know all along that route, there's all kinds of people servicing those kinds of options, right? Like yeah, all kinds yeah. of little yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, like, She yeah. said she was in touch with some people who walked from Sweden to start the Camino. Uh, walked like yikes. That's serious <laughs> That's hiking. That's a bit much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not on my uh, bucket list. Anyway, good honor. Yeah, it's cool. So what do we got here? What do we got? It's uh, Snappers, quick snappers. Oh, good, good. Let's do snappers. I was hoping we'd have those. It's time again for KJ Snappers, wherein our own KJ dog tries to stump the panel with etymological quandaries he's stumbled across in his travels, and in which PJ and RJ search deep into their time-addled memories to see if they can piece together the meanings and origins of these terms. So let's play KJ Snappers. But I don't have very many, and there might be weird. Doesn't but matter. <laughs> I was looking forward to this. Yeah. What is this? It's mostly stuff that I've heard in my daily life that I don't. I, I kind of go, "What the hell is that?" Oh. Now I don't. I. I. I my list is bad. Um, it's great. Mom. I know we've done sigil. Did we do bumpkin? There's the word for you. Where does bumpkin come from? Like a country bumpkin. Well, there you go. That's. Uh, so the question is, what is, isn't what it means? It's where does it, why I'm always it curious with some of these words. Like, is there any other kind of a bumpkin than a country bumpkin? Yeah. Like, uh, like can you peek anything other than your interest? That kind of a thing. Right. Or you can peek someone's ire. Can peek an appetite. Can you do that? Can yeah. anything yes. other than a motive be ulterior? Nice. I like that one. We, we had a text exchange on that one the other day and you sort of think, well, it depends. Uh, yeah. Interior. Is ulterior the opposite of interior? No, I don't think it is. Exterior. Exterior, yeah. Well, ulterior is not the opposite of exterior. No. 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 It's... So, what? I, I must have misspoke. What's the opposite of fire to you? Fire? Yeah. This is in line. Higher. The opposite of fire? Like yeah. the element? Oh, like element. Like burning. Burning fire. Freezing, the opposite of burning fire? I guess I don't think there is an opposite to that. Okay, so some people say what? the opposite of fire is water, yeah. and some people say the oh, opposite yeah. of fire is no fire. Well, it's kind of like saying what's the opposite of a whale. Right, but he's saying is ulterior the opposite of interior? No, no, it's exterior. Right? Yeah. Holy done! I'm getting that head whippy feeling again. No, this was this was in no. line. No, it yeah. is in line. It's it's this quite followed. good. Yes, and it's quite good too. I just hadn't. You're just way ahead of me there. That's all. That's I've only heard Country Bumpkin. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think that's all there is. And I have no idea. There's no uh, City Bumpkin. Is it a play on pumpkin? Don't the know. way that country people pronounce pumpkin? Don't know. Can Are we allowed to Google these? Yeah. Yes, but we've got to guess it. first, though. Be, yeah. We've got to have a guess. Well, I think that's a good guess, I though. think it's a play on the pronunciation of pumpkin. I think it comes from sort of bumping a log. You know, you're sitting there like a bump on a log. Oh, that's a good one. So you're a bumpkin. I think it comes along with people out in the country. When they have to go into town, they get on their little 
little uh, wagons. Nice. And they just bump along down nice. the road. Oh, here comes another pump country Get bumpkin. Oh, okay, well, you're, see the, him. Nice. you're the Google Meister. Nice. Uh, no, Ron, no, wait. What do you think? I have no idea. Well, sorry. I, I'm dealing with two languages in my head, so. Okay. Uh, <laughs> what, let's yeah, go back to pumpkin. That's probably an advantage. It's probably from the French, bumpkin. <laughs> yeah. What does, uh, what does, uh, where does pumpkin come from? Why, if you, Because you, you grow them at your, on your farm. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know, that's where they Where does the from. word come from, though? Yeah, but you could say, where does the word whale come from? Why are they called whales? And what is the opposite? No, but... (laughs) (laughs) A fish? It's like, why is this called my head as opposed to my tortoise? Or... It's oh, that's, that's deep, skinny. I'm sorry. Yeah, this is getting away. It's not it's really deep at all. I'm trying to make the point that it, it's irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> nice. You said you spoke French, right, Dad? <laughs> <laughs> He's on fire. That's really fun. Well, yes. Uh, my pseudo. The definition itself says they're from the countryside, so country is kind of redundant. It's redundant at that yeah. point. Um, and related, we've got yokel. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. I still don't have that origin. Yokel is one of those words is these days is kind of underused as an insult. I like it way better than bumpkin. In fact, if you're going to insult somebody and if you're going to suggest their whatever bunch of negative traits, yokel is a way better word than bumpkin. Okay. It, it originated in the late 16th century, perhaps from, so it's another one of these words where they don't know for sure. Perhaps from the Dutch word boomkin, little tree, or Middle Dutch, bomekin, little barrel, used to denote a dumpy person. Oh, like the shape of them. In which case, at that point, it would make more sense to add the word country. Yeah. Because it's a little dumpy person from the country. That's good. I like that one. That's very good. Stumped the panel on that one. Mm. What else you got? Well, you just said yokel. Um, this is just in my head. It's not on my list. Doofus. I thought doofus was defamatory against uh, Eastern Baltic, Eastern Europe. Whoa, so really? That's what I, I thought in my head really? when I heard it. Oh, I never what, I what do you know? know what that. do you think doofus is? Doofus is? I don't know. That word to me just sprung out a whole cloth in the 70s. A person who's not particularly bright. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm like a fool. Yeah. I know it yeah. from Seinfeld. Because Elaine used to describe Kramer regularly throughout episodes as being like, but he's such a doofus. It was like the only word to describe him was the running joke. And that is a really good description. I have to look up doofus for you. Good for you. If your brother angrily accuses you of stealing his favorite sunglasses, you can say, you mean the ones on your head, doofus? (laughs) (laughs) Or Yoko. That was a really nice way just whipping you around. Oh, okay. What are they talking about? Sunglasses. The word was originally 1960s U.S. student slang, and it's thought to be modeled after goofus, an older term with a similar meaning, or to stem from the Scots doof or dolt. Mm. So it did just kind of spring whole cloth into being. Yeah, I think so. And I was thinking about dummy the other day. So you got dummy, dummy's guide to this and that, right? And as we see the world change in terms of political correctness, saying someone is dumb is really not approved at these, at this point, right? Because of the historic thing. Oh, if you can't talk, you're clearly not very bright. You're dumb, right? So I think you're not supposed to use the term dumb anymore, which I'm on side with. For those who are mute, you mean, there's those who don't have speech. Oh, right. You can't hear when you're. No, I mean, I mean. What does it, dumb mean? It means you are silent. If you're struck yes. dumb, you're Did struck I say silent. That right then? Yeah. Yeah. And oh, okay. and then what happened, I'm pretty sure what happened is people who could not speak were assumed to be dumb. Yeah. And so you'd say, What are you dumb? Say something. Or what are you, a dummy? Oh, I always thought say that something. the word dumb itself started to mean mute and then later on I think it's the other took, way. Oh okay. I think dumb became dummy. Yeah, we're racking them up here. So I think that my theory is that the word dummy is going to, and it's going to take 20 years because there's a whole dummies guide set of books, mm. right? And these things, but I think about 10 years from now or 20 years from now. Less. Less? Yeah. Already? Well, no, if, if that is, I it makes sense that it is a derogatory term and it, it'll be gone. It's going to be gone. <laughs> yeah. Is this at all related to like a dummy, like a, you know, like a CPR dummy, like a mannequin? Is it like a double or a dupe? Or a dumbwaiter. 
Nope, they're right. all the same. They're silent. A dumb waiter can't speak. It can't take orders. So the answer so is yes. Just, it is like that. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a way of describing someone who doesn't oh. speak. Yeah. Just can't communicate. And Good which question. Is, Thing, which is not as the same as someone who is stupid. No, but but the, I think what happened is it started out you can't communicate. So the assumption was you can't communicate because you're stupid. Right. And it's used in a derogatory way. And like I say, the original would have been, are you dumb? Speak. Say something back to me. Answer when I ask Cause you. Because it's very popular right now for people to say, are you dumb? Like yeah. it's... So PGA, Everyone does it. According to this, it's the other way around. Oh, for God's sakes. That's it. We can't Google anything from now on. Dumb is the old English word that means mute, speechless, and itself came from an even older word, dub, meaning confusion, stupefaction, dizziness. So it okay. is kind of both directions, right? Like the word dumb came into play to mean mute, but they grabbed a word that already meant kind of Stupid. Well, stupefaction yeah. is not the same as stupid. That means to paralyze, right? It's to yeah. stupefy. You're stupefied. It's not yeah. the same as it's stupid. It's not being but brain. Confusion. Stupid. It can also mean confusion. So anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess so. But there you go. I think dummy is going to go away and and the whole uh, series of books is going to become the doofus's guide. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. Yeah. Good. Now, what did we start out with there? That was bumpkin, right? Yeah. And then well doofus. played, everyone. Huh? Yoko. And then doofus. Yeah. And then dummy. Okay, ready for next one? Yes? Yes. Yeah, lay it on. A little English on that. Ooh, a little English on that. Well, we... Oh, so, so I'm going to say it's a pool shot. Well, first thing is we know what it means, right? Do, Do we? you know? Let's I think explain that to I think it's always required every time we have to explain what okay. it means. Okay, yeah. so go. I don't know what it means. That's why, I well, mean... I only know it from pool or ping pong or anything in which you can impart a spin. Uh, to put a spin on a ball. And why the word English? No idea. I've never heard that either. The expression at all. I'm very sure that is what it means. You put a spin to make it not go straight, to yeah. change its direction. Puts Absolutely. It. But why it's English, I have no idea. Maybe the Brits were the first people to play pool and actually put spins on the ball. Does it have anything to do Maybe. with... Oh, you put a spin on an idea. Ah, you put a spin on it. Well, you can do that, like, politically speaking, but did somebody refer to the English putting a spin on, uh, put a little English? No, no, it, it has to know, do RJ, with physical. I think you're on it. I think probably the English were the first to realize that if you spun an object like a pool ball or a cricket ball or a, a lawn bowling ball, that it would curve. Now, he's rejecting that with, well, his, no, I mean, with his glances. He's not saying it to our listening audience. You're a doofus, PJ. That's completely <laughs> wrong. No, like the, that other people didn't have little balls that they could. They learned how to spin to, oh. they would have done that. Let's, uh, Wouldn't let's. that have been like around Christ? <laughs> no, I think 2,000 years before or 5,000 right. years before. Let's Who come, knows what those Egyptians didn't were Egyptians up to? Didn't the Egyptians create trigonometry well, and the concept of time being measured? But they couldn't figure out that spinning, spinning a round though, object no. would make it clear. That was beyond their grasp. <laughs> so now that we've encouraged KJ to come right out with his skepticism, now we can get the okay, answers. Okay, let's do it. And we go to the authorities, and the expression comes from English snooker, a pool game where one of the main strategies is to block an opponent from having a straight line shot at a ball he must hit. To do this, the shooter will create a spin on his shot to circumvent the obstruction. Well done, Skin. KJ? Oh, well no, done. it was him. Uh, it was him. He thought of it. Oh, well, well done. Really. You were you the agreed. one. I agreed, and then, yeah, then you then. decided you need to... Yeah. Only because it was you, Skinny, yes, exactly. I'm sure. <laughs> Jeez. Well, that's interesting. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. It could have been more fun. Well, he guessed it. That's the only... I'm sort just, of. That was pretty good, yeah. I was close. Here's a word. I'll spell it for you. P-U-T-S-C-H. Oh, I know what that means. Yeah. Putch. I only know it in one context. Same. The famous beer hall putch. <laughs> Hitler. Was that 1936 or something like 33, that? 33. Yeah. Okay. PJ? No, that's it. I mean, yeah, it's... No. You guys? Putch? Never heard it. So it's like a revolt or a rebellion or a coup. It's more like a coup, you know, a coup... Detat. Yeah, yes, yes. It's more like that. You do something that is not legal in order to seize power and get into a position where your position is legitimized. You become the power. 
a beer hall puts you. You force change. So the Nazis came to a beer hall. Presumably there was some political meeting happening at the beer hall. And they somehow seized power. Well, I think they refined their political ideas in beer hall meetings, and then they went out and oh. implemented yeah, in those ideas. Wasn't he like chancellor and trying to work people? Yeah, up he was. To be he Nazis? was basically forcing the current guy, that stodgy old guy from World War One, into resigning, and he was. Yeah, there were still like. What are they, brown shirts at the time? That was him. They were creating a political ideology. Yeah, in and he was leading that. And, and they forced the chancellor at the time, and I can't remember his name. I want to say Helmut Schmidt, but that's quite a bit later. <laughs> Who um, cares? But they were, they were really disappointed with the whole idea of losing the First World War. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I mean, yes. And, and really, huh. the, the reason I'm making all these faces is because it's pertinent to today. Like, right after the First World War ended, there began to be rumors that the German autocracy had sold out the German people by choosing to surrender and that they could have won the war if they had just hung on. Right. And then it was so severe that a German minister, government minister, was shot a year later, was assassinated over these claims. So the government launched a huge investigation into whether or not there had been some kind of shady business in surrendering in 1918. They discovered absolutely no evidence of it whatsoever. But as time went on over the succeeding three and four years, the belief in that rumor just grew because it was fostered by people who wanted access to power, right? So think about current events. Mm. There's direct parallel. And, and it's for the same reasons, too, because the German people were under all kinds of economic duress. Their national pride was in tatters. So you're not and, saying it because maybe you feel it's obvious, but what you're saying is that Putin and a, and a number of Russians feel that the USSR should never have been broken up. Yeah, and I was, I'm also saying that in the United States, Trump feels that he should just be still president. And he's managed to convince a bunch of people, in, the, in spite of a complete lack of any evidence at all, that it was stolen. Hmm. And the belief in that has a tendency to get stronger as time goes by and no more proof is presented. Right. And then it does to get weaker. And this all happened pre-internet. Yeah. And this puts was, the lie to the idea that the internet causes this it, kind of. It makes the manipulation of these ideas a lot faster and more effective, but it's not a new invention to manipulate ideas. But back to the words. Yeah, is putsch a German word? Yeah, I Then so. it's not yeah. used in English ever? No. It's yeah. it's used in English. Well, it is it, now because yeah. of it. Yeah, but, but, it but from, so what is a putsch then? What is it, the spreading of the disinformation? Is it's it a, a, No, it's a strong arming. It's a strong arm tactic to gain power. Like it's not like an out and out bloody war revolution where armies march, but you kind of, you sort of intimidate a lot of people via one means or another into accessing power. Oh, okay. and I always, I always thought that it was something that happened at a beer hall. So it you're is saying it's something that, that it was, got incited yeah. at beer hall meetings, yeah. but happened. Yeah. The place. ethos of the whole brown shirt thing was we're common working guys and we meet in beer halls and drink beer and talk right. about the good old days, you know, that's so, boy, do I ever hope any of this has any bearing. In so it's a reality. noun. A violent attempt to overthrow a government. Nice. So yeah, so it's a it's a physical thing. It's not a yeah. Which it's is, not just a meeting or an no, ideology. You go it's out a, and smash things up, yeah, and you blame yeah, it on other okay. people, right. and, and you, it can be from anywhere. Like a a coup is a specific type of putsch, which is coming from the yeah. army or inside, right? I'm not even sure, but yeah. mm. but it, it just says that a push is a violent attempt to overthrow yeah. a government. I think a coup would have the the additional kind of constraints. Mm. <laughs> okay, I'll give you a couple more then, if you want. Play yeah. them on us. She session. What? Oh, can you say that again? She session. S-H-E? Yeah, I got to assume that it's, it's like opposite a recession. It's a she session. I've never heard of it. Never heard Me of it. Me either. Oh, okay. The first thing that came to mind was uh, a bunch of women sitting around a table um, I, having a, I think having a I heart did, to heart or something. I did not look it up or anything, but I have a feeling it has to do with, if you think about recession, Is this about same Roe sort of versus thing? Wade right now? Is that no, 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 I don't think so. Is that it mean to represent a regression in women's, like, something to do with women? No, I, th- I don't think it's a regression. I think it's, uh, uh, it's in a, I, I'm, I don't know a what recession. it is. Actually. I'm going with lack of availability. Because a recession means there's a lack of 
of economic opportunity and a she session means there's a lack of women. Well, that's kind of related to what we were talking about earlier. Maybe people being removing themselves from the workforce and a lot of them could be women. Maybe that is it. Women opting out of uh, the workplace. I think that's what it is. Judging from what I've just Googled. Up. Ah, you got, do you have something? Yeah, I got this uh, New York Times uh, subheader here. Why some women call this recession a she session. A majority of the jobs lost in April were held by women. A sharp reversal of gains in the labor market. But I don't Ooh, know about that's, this jobs lost thing. That's quite grim. I, I don't know if it's jobs lost, though, quite honestly. It's jobs not wanted. Or not taken back. Not taken, after. Not taken, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, if you think about it, at least in my industry, it was a thing when we were laid off because of COVID. The whole teams were not dissolved. It was certain members of the team. And a lot of times it was women because women had less important, according to some people, yeah. roles on the team. Mm. So in that sense, I could see that that would result in more men remaining in their roles or being recalled to those roles because they were given recall yeah. dates. Women moving on to find other sources of income and not returning to that same line of work. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, if you look at all the lowest lowest income jobs, I bet you they skew towards women. And what you got, KJ? Uh, BTS in Vegas. Somebody described, uh, it was right around there, somebody described a portmanteau of purple and love. Like saying Vegas looked like a portmanteau of purple and love. And the word is portmanteau. Okay, I know that one. Portmanteau. Never I'm sure PJ it. knows it. Let's go to Ron for this one. I have no idea. Portmanteau. Isn't a portmanteau a traveling, like a valise, a traveling, like a suitcase? Yeah. Portmanteau is a suitcase. Right. Yeah. But in English, it has a certain meaning. Oh, oh, oh uh, like it's a little package of purple and love or no, a little valise uh, of purple and love. Well, I always thought that a portmanteau were two words that kind of merged together. Am I mixing it up with some other well, word? portmanteau in French means carry something, whatever a manteau might be. No, manteau is a jacket. As used in English is what I'm thinking. You take two words and you take maybe the beginning of one word and combine it with the ending of the other and you have, now have a new word and you call that a portmanteau. Wow. Oh. But I might be mixing that up completely. I got it, yeah. What you got, Mo? A large trunk or suitcase, typically made of stiff leather and opening into two equal parts. Yep. Or two, a word blending the sounds and combining the meanings of two others. For example, motel from motor and hotel right. and brunch from right. breakfast and lunch. Excellent. Jeez. So a portmanteau of purple and love. Oh, it's just a blending. A yeah, blending. so RJ's definition was the correct one in this. this so, but where? I wonder sense. why. Like, is it taking a bag from one word to another? And I don't know, like, why? <laughs> <laughs> like, who comes up with this shit? Well, man? no, it's the, it's the half and half nature of a port portmanteau. Oh, a portmanteau is. is like that. Yeah, it opens it's, up. it's okay. two equal halves. Oh, gotcha. gotcha. That's oh, nice. pretty interesting. That's RJ points for that one. Okay, this one I just heard the other day, Scudger. Yeah, I just, I, I actually, I know, and thank you for that. I do want to take a moment to recognize that I knew a word that skin didn't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think that's pretty special. It is. You deserve it. Yeah. Man. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, and thank you, listeners. <laughs> so we were talking everyone about. Everyone write in to congratulate. Cause my yeah. um, iMac blew up, like literally, and so we were talking about. Actually, doing the fix it or or doing a saving of the info on it. Well, and I'm take, excited. To yeah, do same, that. same. And taking, yeah, I am too. Yeah. And these guys both, well, just were batting shit around because they know what's inside it. And they said scudger, and I'd never heard the word scudger before. Spudger. Spudger. Spudger? Yeah. Spudger. Yeah. Sure, scudger. I've oh. never heard either of those. Me neither. Spudger. Spudger. Oh, it, it is one of those words Gentlemen? that only shows up. Well, what is where does spudger? it come from? No, what is it? First of all, <laughs> I don't care we about this. We always start with what it is. A spudger is a, <laughs> I've seen the word a lot and I've seen a lot of them. So I, I only know one kind of spudger. There might be other kinds, but it's just a little pry tool for deftly moving apart small pieces or two 
laminated pieces to kind of pry them apart. Yeah. That's all I know. There might be more to That's the all I know, budget. too. Oh, I thought it was actually like a little a computer part that you guys were talking about. No. It's actually a tool for taking it's, them it's apart. It's just yeah. a little thing with a very fine plastic edge, and you can stick it down between the glass and yeah, the yeah. frame yeah. on okay. the front of your phone if and you, pry it. If you glass. ever buy a battery for your phone, yeah. it'll ship with a spudger as well yeah. to help you pry your phone apart oh. to get the new battery in. But it would be fun to know why on earth it's called a spudger. It's, I mean, I know. Why is it called a whale? Why is it called a spudger? Is it only for electronics? I doubt it, but I don't know. comes from the Latin spud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Spagericus. Potato-like in, in color. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. It's, it's a funny name, though, eh? Well, it's a variant of the Middle English spuddle, a short knife. Oh, nice. Wow. Spuddle. Spudger, yeah. I get that. Spudger or spludger. Spludger? You can say spludger. Throw an L in there. Wow, yeah, why not? Cromer, your day has come. Is it a tool? Just toss in an extra letter. All good. Yeah, it's a tool that has a wide flathead screwdriver-like end that extends as a wedge used to separate pressure-fit plastic components without causing damage during separation. So Boy, that's a very specific. A very specific tool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, last one. What is the word, what do you call a suitcase with wheels? Luggage. Well, you, nice. Well, the ones with four wheels are commonly called spinners. But I don't, the ones with two wheels. Uh, there I think is, we're talking four, but. Uh, oh, four is spinners. They call them spinners because. I, I said valise. <laughs> I would have said valise too, but <laughs> I thought, no, nah, that can't be it. Yeah. That's just, yeah, it's just suitcase. Uh, it's, where do spinners come from? What does that even? Because the four little um, casters spin around. And you can and, spin it. And on. you can spin the whole thing easily. So it's just become a thing. Like somebody say, oh, nice spinner you got there, buddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I wanted to buy a spinner this time. That's what oh, people say. Oh, I've and heard that one. There's a trend towards them, but people are starting to realize that spinner's a got a real or? downside to it. No, them. this is a word that I saw, and I went, oh, I've never heard that. And the word is rollerboard. Rollerboard. And it comes from roll aboard to roll your oh, suitcase. Oh, and they're called rollerboards. Oh, so I got a rollerboard. That's cool. Or a rollerboard. 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 Never heard of anything like that. Me neither, but I hadn't heard of spinners either, so oh. there you go. When you go to the airport. Yes, roll. just drop it. Sorry, just drop sorry. that word everywhere yeah. you can. There you go. Was it roll aboard or roller it, come, it, it's, it comes from roll aboard. Roll aboard, but a lot of people just call it rollerboard. Rollerboard. Oh, I see. Yeah. Oh. But yeah, yeah, you should do that checking in. And do I do my rollerboard here? Yeah, yeah. we'll just see yeah. who You check my rollerboard? Yeah. <laughs> See the girl. confusion versus, And they'll say, yeah. no skateboards on the plane. You have to check that. <laughs> what What is the big downside you refer to with spinners and rollerboards? Well, there's two. Like, uh, actually, we were, uh, Sue's decided not to use her spinner on the trip to Europe. Now we're all comfy, eh? <laughs> because, and I don't know if this is true, but because a lot, a lot of the times the streets or sidewalks are kind of rough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cobblestone. Yeah. 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 yeah, but she just bash that. just doesn't. And they're smaller. They're not just. They're just not as strong. So yeah. the the wheels on the the two wheelers, the wheels are kind of a lot stronger, and they're kind of like they have axles in place. The other downside is that if you're standing there and there's a slight incline, and you take your oh, hand yeah. off of it while you're taking care of something, off it goes down the street. <laughs> That's a true one. That's the called first a roll one, away. Though, like yeah. when I when we did that trip, I had a a spinner. Spinner. He doesn't want to call him spinners. No, he feels I don't. Bad. He feels self-conscious. I feel like I'm, yeah. Anyways. But yeah, anyway, had a rollerboard, so. <laughs> I just dragged it along. It all cobbled streets, yeah. gravel, just doesn't matter. Bang it, bang it, bang. Just doesn't, if the wheels break off, I'll probably either carry it or just drag it on the bottom. I, who cares? I'm not going to. You don't care, but it was it a cheap piece of luggage? Uh, not any cheaper than any other. It was American. Oh, American, American Tourister? Was it? Heritage. No. no, it was a knockoff. But whatever. I just thought, I wasn't thinking to myself, oh, the little wheels. Won't someone think of the little wheels? <laughs> no, I just let them break, whatever. Just, just didn't care. So the answer is, yeah, it's cheap. <laughs> so he doesn't care about the quality cheap. or the damage. I got Hannah a little printer table for when she re- moved into res. And we were moving her into res, and we had parked a long way away. 
and I put some stuff on the printer table and wheeled it down the street until all of a sudden <laughs> one of the casters just boom, just broke right off. Well, so, well, but, I mean that, that's not built to built no, for that, but not can, for that purpose. I can remember chunking along a sidewalk, uh, faced in marble, in Verona, fair Verona. And just kachunka, 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 kachunka for just the ever to get to the train station with, yeah. you know, dragging the thing along, <laughs> just uh, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Well, as long as they're strong enough. I, and while I didn't even, it didn't actually, to be fair to everyone, occur to me, they might not be. I just hmm. probably should have. And that's it for KJ Snappers this week. Thanks for coming. That, that was good. You guys, very good discussion on all things. So there's another one in the can for history to reflect on at its leisure later on as all the greats review our podcast oeuvre. We hope that you guys have enjoyed it as much as history, our posterity, no doubt will. And actually, more importantly, we hope you come back again <laughs> when we do another one. Uh, thanks a lot for coming along. Take care of yourselves. Keep taking care of yourselves. Keep writing in those letters. They're just great. And uh, we'll talk again soon. Bye. Nice to have guests, too, for a little added spice. Yeah. Mm, Merci thanks beaucoup. Thanks for having us. Merci. Bye. Bye.